Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Nerds with Friends. My name is Cody Leach and as always I'm joined by Christian Garcia. Hello nerds. And uh, live via Skype we have uh, author and novelist Adam Christopher. How are you doing sir? Hey good. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule. Um, I'm assuming you're pretty busy right now because you just came out with a new book called Stranger Things Darkness on the Edge of Town. Yeah, that just came out today, so it's been pretty uh, crazy, but um, it's exciting too, you know. Yeah, good crazy. Always exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so th- this book kind of tells the, uh, we'll talk more about it in, in just a minute, but kind of tells the story of Hopper before he was, before he came back to Hawkins, right, in the Stranger Things universe. Yeah, that's right. It's sort of part of his backstory um, before we see him on TV. Uh, which obviously, as a fan of Stranger Things myself, you know, what an opportunity to kind of tell a story. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. He, and he, I think he's definitely a fan favorite. You know, I think uh, definitely one of my I, – I love David Harbour as as the character already, and uh, I think he's an awesome character to kind of uh, add some authority to the whole, you know, uh, Stranger Things universe with a bunch of kids going around on, on adventures. Nice to have someone there who's – you know, could handle business when uh, things. Oh are yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> I think I talked about this um, when we were talking about the show, but most of the issues that Hopper uh, fixes are with his fists. Yeah, he punches his way through well, everything. Yeah, he's that kind of guy, really. Um, he's kind of got the brains and the brawn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the book later because uh, it's very exciting, and I'm I'm excited to finish reading it. But let's start off as we normally do with a couple of nerdy confessions. Um, if you want, Christian, I'll go first as I have one that I think ties in nicely to the, the book. Um, when I was reading it, um, you know, to kind of get in the mood while I was, you know, I like to read before I go to bed and, um, I actually got to play, I played the Stranger Things soundtrack as I was reading it and it was really cool. It kind of added like a little (laughs) ambiance to it, you know, just because it's got that really electronic, like pulsing music. It was really cool. Really had that eighties feeling. Oh yeah. It was awesome. (laughs) And so and some sometimes it really goes along really well with what's happening and other times, you know, you just like maybe the next track and this sounds a little (laughs) bit better. But uh yeah, it was it was really cool. It really added to the experience. How about you, Christian? What's your uh, nerdy confession? Um so we just watched um Brightburn and I James Gunn's new what Gun Brothers. And I really I went into it thinking I was going to love it, and I, I didn't hate it, but I think it was the idea. I think it was such a great idea that they mm-hmm. almost executed greatly, but I feel like there was a lot of things that they could have done a little bit better. I would say still go watch it. Still, still go watch it, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good, entertaining movie. It's good, but, I mean, I'm no filmmaker, but uh, there was some certain— <laughs> But I could have done it better. Better. <laughs> Um, there was just—I I don't want to give anything away, but uh, definitely go watch it. There was just certain parts um, that I feel could have been expanded on. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think you know. Also, I think it could have been a really well-made short too. Yeah, possibly. And then, but you know, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I, I enjoyed it. I hope, and I really—the reason why I really wanted it to work is because I wanted to see more films of this type. Yeah, um, a horror uh, with. With you know super powered people, yeah. Um, wasn't there an X Men one that like did it not come out? Uh, well, the Wolverine origin was pretty horrific. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, I don't. Yeah, th- I, I remember seeing a preview, and it was actually with the older brother of Stranger Things. Of hmm. 
but I don't. I can't remember the. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. We'll one. we'll look it up later. We'll, we'll look it up later and post it up on the website. But yeah, definitely go watch it. Um, it's worth you know worth the visit. Worth the visit. Worth the dollars. Um, but keep an open mind. Yeah. I would say. Adam, how about you? I mean, you obviously have some street cred. You did uh, <laughs> novels based on Stranger Things, arguably one of the biggest nerdiest TV shows out there on Netflix. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah. You also did a couple tie-ins to uh, Dishonored and Elementary, the CBS show. Yes. That's right. Yes. Um, what What other nerdy things are you into? Well, actually, for my my nerdy confession, I have a very deep cut here. Um, I can reveal that the very first movie that I ever saw was Star Wars: uh, A New Hope. Oh my gosh! Because um, we're talking about 1977. Yeah. Um, which is kind of when the Stranger Things book is set. So I was six months old. And I have to apologize now to anybody else who was in the theater uh, <laughs> that day in the late 1970s yeah. because my dad is a big kind of sci-fi junkie. Yeah. And I don't think he could hold back any longer. He had to go and see the movie. So it was a kind of family outing. Um, obviously, I remember every frame of the film of course um <laughs> just etched I think into the memory somehow, yeah exactly but somehow i don't know it kind of set me up which is ridiculous but like i i'm quite happy with that being my very first film uh experience yeah i mean which is kind of bizarre but you know <laughs> i feel like if that was the first movie i ever saw it would have ruined movies for me you know? <laughs> everything moving forward everything i'm like well that wasn't as good as star wars <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, um, I mean, I might have a couple Star Wars questions for you later because I know you, I know you did a little writing about Star Wars as well. Um, but let's talk about uh, the darkness on the edge of town. Um, so, obviously, me, Christian, and I had to. We shared a copy, and we were kind of like rushing to get through as much as we could, and didn't didn't make it all the way through yet. But luckily, he brought it back, so I can finish it now. Um, cool. I, d- I didn't say I was giving it back. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> We'll just I'll just buy my copy. Yeah, there now. You it's go. out now. Since it's out. Um, so so, t- tell me a little bit about how it is how you approach writing a character who's kind of already established. Um, you know, it, is it easier? Is it more difficult? Um, compared to like making someone up, you know, out of your own imagination. How, how does that process work for you? Yeah, um, that's the one thing sort of about uh you know licensed fiction or tie-in fiction that i actually really enjoy because you've really got two different jobs you've got to write um a kind of compelling story a narrative that will stand up as a kind of novel length piece of fiction you know which is kind of difficult enough as it is when i write my own you know original material um but writing licensed you then have to you know you really have to nail the character's that people know and love um, and set them within a story that fits the kind of universe um, that they're part of, uh, which is, that's like a second kind of job. Um, And then you mentioned I've done, you know, I did Elementary and Dishonored, um, which is kind of good, um, good practice. I wouldn't say practice because those are great books, but like that really kind of gave me the taste for, um, this kind of work and i think the other thing being that i'm a fan you know i am a geek i'm a nerd i love star wars and stranger things and elementary and dishonored and you know all the kind of stuff um that we all love so 
I'm kind of aware in the back of my mind that like these are books that I would want to read as a fan. And, you know, that means you still have to write them for a wider audience because there's a danger you can't kind of cross the line and it gets a bit kind of, you know, fanish. Um, but that's the kind of line that you kind of walk as a kind of uh, an author of this kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I was so lucky with Stranger Things because, you know, um, the main character in the book is obviously Hopper, but we also see Eleven um, as well in this kind of framing story, which which um, kind of guides guides the 1977 story along. Um, and it's down to, you know, David Harbour and Millie Bobby Brown, whose performances um, are amazing. And I studied, I had to study and study, like literally scene by scene by scene, um, because I really wanted to get them right for myself and for readers and for fans, because, you know, people will see Stranger Things and it's got Hopper and Eleven on the front and they pick it up. These are the characters they love and they want to read their adventures. So for licensed work, yeah, that's, I really love doing that. Yeah. Well, you totally, totally nailed it. I mean, as I was reading it, it's like, yeah, I could totally imagine Hopper doing that. And same with, um, with Elle, like, little head turns and you know like the not really questions but statements of what someone right. had said like yeah. she's processing it of what yeah. what they had said um yeah no it was it was awesome it was like it's like i was i felt like i was almost like in my head watching an episode of stranger things yeah i i totally agree we were actually talking about it be, before uh the show here and it, it's so cool i think one of the great advantages of this is that you know we have a reference point for these characters We've seen them interact together on screen. And now I think it makes it really makes a story come through and shine through where, um, you know, you can read it and imagine exactly how these characters are. And, and you do an excellent job of picking up on those little uh, things like how how Eleven kind of tries out little phrases and words that she's not used right. to saying because she was, you know, obviously so yeah, yeah. closed off from the world. Yeah. Um, it was also kind of cool, like, uh, being inside Hopper's head, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, why is he like with the pauses, like, oh, he's, he's processing like what to say to Al next, you know, like, does he, does he, he doesn't does he talk say... about Vietnam? Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big thing from him for him. So, you know, to kind of give the kind of overall picture is that, you know, um, this is a snowbound Christmas in 1984 and, you know, Eleven is kind of completely bored out of her mind in the in Hopper's cabin. And she digs out that box that we see in season two, which is the box that has New York written on the side. And she's like, well, I don't know anything about you. We're family now, so tell me about New York. And this is exactly the thing. It's like Hopper is like, but what am I going to say? You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a traumatic story about a kind of very unusual case. You know, Eleven is at the time, I think, probably about 13 years old. But, you know, she's not a normal girl, as we know. Right. Um, so the whole – it was very important, I think, for Hopper to be, like, not censoring himself, although he does that a little bit, Farrell, even he admits it. But, like, wondering to himself, where is this story going and what am I doing? Is it my place to tell this story? Uh, and I think along the way, you know, because as you mentioned, he's a Vietnam veteran as well. And certainly before um, his daughter Sarah dies um, – so before that event, he kind of divided his life into, uh, you know, before Vietnam and after Vietnam. And what we see in the book is that kind of this, this post-Vietnam hopper where he's dealing with his experiences. Um, 
in the moment in 1977 trying to find something to do to make a difference to kind of fill that hole in his life and then we see the kind of what we call you know modern day which is the 1984 hopper like dealing with those memories and his own history and wondering how you know this is this is stuff that he has kind of not repressed but it's it, it lives in a kind of you know compartment in his mind where he can kind of deal with it and now Al is forcing him to you know confront those memories yeah um, which is great which is really what i do for the book because you know, hopper is my favorite character and i really wanted to kind of get inside his head because um, he's he's complex and multifaceted and um and yeah and i hope i kind of managed it yeah yeah i definitely I, you know i'm like i said i'm excited to finish it um and i think aside from maybe 11 who you know obviously everyone you know, wants to learn more and more about her and, you know, her, her special abilities and all that. I think Hopper has the most interesting backstory that, you know, there's not much backstory when you're a 12 year old kid, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons, (laughs) but you know, he's, he's obviously an adult, you know, who's had a past, not only with Vietnam, but with, you know, his time in New York that, that we get to see in this book. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, uh, you mentioned how he divided his life between, pre-vietnam and post-vietnam and now he he, i think you say in there somewhere that now he just considers his life uh before sarah died and after sarah died kind of thing right yeah so it's it's kind of interesting we get to see that little brief window that it's in between those two times kind of things yeah very very cool it's i i did like in the beginning too how he's like um he's just staring out in the snow and he's he's about to like crack a smile but he's just so used to having it shitty like he <laughs> like it's it, it it seemed like kind of unnatural like what what is going on like and he but he does later on allow himself to have that moment but it's just all the things that he has repressed and he just he just became used to it and it's uh i think it's kind of something that a lot of people can you know relate to you know it's like you get it so bad for so for so long yeah. you get kind of used to it just being bad yeah it feels weird when something having a good, good time yeah it's like wait what is going on yeah maybe that well yeah and like this is the first time that we've seen hopper and al as a kind of as a family because you know the end of season two uh he adopts her officially you know with the kind of dodgy behind the scenes paperwork that dr <laughs> owens managed to to work out yeah so until season three comes along you know this is the this is the first time we've seen them that that new uh relationship the new dynamic because obviously you know something changes when that happens um yeah it was so it was unofficial cool, yeah. before and now it, now it's like officially they're you know as close to yeah. officially as possible you know yeah, being a family. Uh, I, oh, I, I love how easy paperwork was back then. Just, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> it's like social security number, boom. Yeah, birth certificate, done. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, I, I know this. It deals with the, him kind of tracking down some these uh, particularly like grisly and unusual uh, murders. Uh, I'll ask you this. I don't, you know, say as much or as little as you want, but because uh, we don't want to spoil anything, we want people to check this out, but. Is there something? Does there something supernatural kind of happen? Is there, or is it just kind of uh, more a detective story? Um, you know, him dealing with these uh, serial killers with his new partner and everything. Is it? Yeah. Does it have a little supernatural tinge in there? Well, you know, I can't really say anything for spoilers. Okay. But what I will say is, um, this is one an important thing because when they said they wanted to do a Hopper prequel novel, yeah, um, but it's also a Stranger Things novel. And Stranger Things means 
certain things. Right. Um, so the, the real kind of core task for me was to try and come up with a story that was not only a kind of a, a working standalone kind of mystery crime thriller, because obviously the, the main character is a homicide detective. Sure. Um, but it had to be a Stranger Things story. And then if you think of the TV show, you know, the problem is that the very first time that Hopper is exposed to any kind of weirdness or supernatural or paranormal or whatever you want to call it is in season one of the TV show. Sure. So then how do you write a story which is set kind of seven years before? Yeah. Um, and yet still make it Stranger Things because otherwise you've just got a kind of a mystery novel about a cop, which is fine. Right. But it's Stranger Things. You know, you yeah, want... Everyone you want wants some, a little something, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> I think I did it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's, that's a good but, answer. That's a good, yeah, that's a good answer of not giving anything away <laughs> Yeah, and making people want to read it. Yeah. Yeah, I just okay. want to read it more now. Now I'm just, okay. I'm just excited. <laughs> um, so, uh, one, one thing, too, um, that uh, I really enjoyed with this is that, you know, obviously it's coming out i'm sure you know i'm sure your publisher is a uh, very crafty w- with the release date of this but we got stranger things coming out here in july right season three i think is coming out i believe so, yeah. yes yeah. so it's perfect timing to kind of um bridge the gap kind of thing get people in the mood i think uh so yeah. uh, i'm excited to finish this and then jump right into season oh, yeah. three i think <laughs> so how, how you know you mentioned uh that you you had to watch you know their faces and everything how, how how much time did you spend researching this novel as far as like just going back and through netflix over and over again um yeah well really quite a lot uh <laughs> and i do mean scene by scene by scene um especially hopper because hopper obviously he's a he's a he's not larger than life but he's a big character in the series right and he has a lot to do um 11 was kind of interesting because especially in season two she spent so much time in the cabin on her own mm-hmm. um but the season one version of 11 is is she's different you know because season one obviously she escapes from the, from the lab uh and then season two she's been out for a year kind of thing so the different kind of characters so really studying her scenes uh was key um i don't know how many times i've watched the episodes now it must be. I, I know. I should have kept a, a tally. Yeah. But this is the thing. It's like this is the job. It's like it has to be right. Right. Because if it's not, if it's not right, you will know it's not right when you read it. There'll be, you know. It's one of those weird fan say, fictions that that you know never goes anywhere on the internet at that point. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, because I love, as I said, you know, because it's it sort of elementary, which is the first sort of tie-in novels that I did. You know, I love elementary. And it was that really taught me how to study not only a character but a performance, right? Um, which is useful because, as you say, you've got this. You can immediately base it off a performance because you've got the material there for you. Um, but then you have to get it right, you know. Um, and if you don't, people will know or they'll see it. Right. That's uh, such great homework, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. I gotta watch Stranger Things, man. I know. It's Please. like, oh, Stranger Things. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of being paid to watch Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, like, wait, you're getting paid are... to watch it? Like, yep, I'm getting paid to watch Stranger That's Things. That's amazing. <laughs> but this is the thing. It's like sometimes I'd sit there and think, and I'd pause it and go, well, hang on a second. This is really difficult, but I'm being paid to sit here and watch Stranger Things. So yeah, at the end of the day, how, of... 
how mad can you be? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that is the dream come true. So I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. Imagine telling friends like, "Hey, you, you want to get a beer?" Nah, man. I got. I'm yeah. getting paid to watch Stranger Things. I gotta watch. <laughs> I got three more episodes to knock out before I can go out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, obviously, you've done a, a few t- different tie-ins. Um, is there is there like a property out there that you would really love to just you know get your hands on and like write an official canonical tie into that that maybe you could do in the future yeah it's interesting isn't it um i've been trying to think about this over the last few days actually um it's one of those things where i'm kind of very particular yep. about what i do um i mean i'd love to do doctor who for example which is funny because like that's the one thing i haven't written anything for <laughs> um but growing up so I'm from New Zealand originally, and growing up in the 80s in New Zealand, I watched 70s Doctor Who on TV because that was what was on TV. So I grew up with you know John Pertwee, the third Doctor, um, even though I'm completely the wrong generation. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was writing from an early age like Doctor Who fan fiction, and I continued doing that in my teens and 20s in university and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's kind of the missing... The missing link. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should um, write, write yeah, a new Doctor great. Who book. That'd be awesome. That would be good. Yeah. Um. And, and uh. So I I know you you wrote for it. It was like a Star Wars anthology, and we you know obviously you know Star Wars being your first movie is probably a pretty pretty fun experience doing that. What tell us a little bit about that anthology and what your story was about? Because it was different points of view, right? That was yeah. kind of what it was about. So it was the 40th anniversary anthology for A New Hope um, called From a Certain Point of View. And they got together, uh, I think it's about 40 creators to write 40 stories um, showing bits and pieces from A New Hope, but from a certain point of view. Um, So my one, uh, which is called End of Watch, I'm trying to think how to describe it. There's that scene where they rescue Han and Luke and Chewie and all that go to rescue Princess Leia. Okay, sure. And they and they go into the cell block and they shoot the guards and then they get the call from the from the desk and it's like, oh, what's going on? It's like, oh no, blaster malfunction. You know, situation normal. Everything's uh, fine. How are yeah, you? How, how are, are you? you? <laughs> right. And I just thought immediately when when I knew the book was going to happen, I thought, like the other side of that conversation. Some control room somewhere in the Death Star, which is, you know, Death Star is enormous. Right. So some control room, some alarm goes off, and they're like, well, what's what's going on? We'll just we'll call them up. Like, <laughs> hey, what's going on? And then they get Han talking to them. But then, again, he's like, oh, situation normal. Oh, yeah, then it's like, you know, oh, there's a reactor leak. Um, <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, reactor leak. That's, like, serious. We need to check it out. Now, I know, um, like, Robot Chicken did a really good, sketch of that yeah i don't know if you've seen it yeah, um, i remember that one <laughs> yeah uh, so i was like well you know the best jokes have already been used um but it was great to do and such a key moment such such a great moment in the film for me it's yeah kind of the, scene that, the scene that i always remember it's, um, it's so funny to you know star wars has been such a, a big part of not just pop culture it's just like in in the ethos of everything nowadays um it's funny to th- you know everything from the robot chicken or, or that story that you wrote, um, thinking about like how big that universe is, you know, yeah. how, you know, there's a, I think there's a, 
picture out there of somewhere where there's a stormtrooper drinking. He's like, oh, my friends are on that Death Star. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny to think about, you know, the 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 bigger world of Star Wars and how that would kind of affect everybody. I think, oh, yeah. Like, that's I, I love that. That's so awesome. What do you think about the um, – are, are you excited for the new Star Wars uh, movie this uh, – was it fall, November? Christmas? Christmas? Yeah, probably uh, Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched the – the episode nine panel from Celebration online. Oh, nice! Uh, and they had the trailer, you know, the new trailer. Yes. And then you hear that laugh at the end, and I just about exploded in my home office. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's I am too. Oh. Good. Yeah. So Seamus. Seamus is really. Uh, so so <laughs> we have a we have a, a guy who used to be uh, one of our hosts on the show. He's still a friend, and we we talk to him from time to time. He lives over in New York now, um, and he. He gets so upset about the new Star Wars. He he's he loves you know episode four, the five, original and six. three. Like anything original outside three. of that to him is just nothing. <laughs> right, and, and it's every once in a while it's fun to call him up and just ask him a Star Wars question <laughs> and see how mad he gets. Uh, he was not a fan of last uh, uh, the Last Jedi, um, and he was not a fan even of Force Awakens, which I think generally was really well yeah. received. He's, he's he's just very passionate about his three. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I think I, Adam. I think I'm in the same boat as you were. I'm just super excited to see where the story goes next. Um, and of course, hearing the Emperor's laugh. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, I'm so excited. I'm, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't see any way where this could go wrong. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we yeah. Won't. <laughs> hopefully, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, so what? Uh, we talked kind of about you know. You're into you love Star Wars and Doctor Who. Um, you know you've done some of your uh, some really interesting. I researching you. I, I kind of looked into some of these, but I was really interested in some of your original uh, stories that you've done as well. Um, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about those. I I forget what the uh, there's a series with a, a character that continues. His name was uh, man. What was it? Electro. Oh, Ray Electromatic. Ray Electromatic. That's right. Can you tell us a little oh, bit yeah. about that? I, I, I kind of want to check that out. <laughs> so this is, um, yeah, it's a trilogy. Well, it's a trilogy plus a novella plus a novelette, um, which is a fancy way of saying a very long short story. Um, <laughs> but it's about it's it's about a robot detective called Ray Electromatic who works in Hollywood in 1965. I love it. Um, and this is like a decade after the robot revolution has come and gone. He's the last robot left because it turns out people didn't like robots <laughs> doing doing jobs like bus drivers or garbage collection or whatever. So he's the last robot left and he's, it's that kind of... Very cool. Uh, and he's, he's like just making his way in the world. Well, it's a, yeah, he's like he's a detective except he's actually an assassin. Oh, okay. Um, because he's got this, he's he's controlled by a computer called Ada, who was programmed to make a profit. Because this is this great experiment of a self-sufficient robot living his life in Hollywood, um, making his way as a detective. But the but Ada quickly works out that um, it pays more money to actually kill people than to solve their murders. <laughs> so she reprograms him to be a hitman, using the detective agency as a sort of front. Um, but the only problem is that Ray, he's, he's like cutting edge 
1965 technology, so he can only remember the last 24 hours oh. because his memory tape runs out and has to be replaced. Yes, memory um, tape, which is like, which is like the perfect cover for an assassin. Oh yeah, like, exactly. He no yeah, if yeah. you question him, it's like, nope. I, yeah, I, it's like no. I, mean, I literally do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is like he's kind of haunted by these ghosts of memories of things. Um, so while he uh, takes on jobs for Ada. He also sort of starts investigating himself and his own uh, past. Um, but like, they're kind of they're hard-boiled, uh, first-person noirish type thing. Um, the idea was originally was um, these are Raymond Chandler's lost science fiction novels <laughs> because he he hated science fiction so much. Um, he like in 1957 or something he wrote to his agent complaining about science fiction saying this is terrible people pay brisk money for this rubbish um and then he writes like a paragraph in the letter saying look this is so bad this is what it's like but of course it's raymond chandler so even though it's this weird story about a computer it's got that rhythm and that kind of feeling right um so my theory was that he was clearly fishing for some kind of response from his agent <laughs> and um, these are what would happen if the agent was like, hey, the, you know yeah, it's so actually he, pretty good yeah, he wrote them and they kind of got lost forever until I discovered them. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, it's kind of and brisk money is actually the name of the very first story, which is like a it's a um, it's like a short story. It's on tour dot com. Nice, which you can read for free. That kind of is his origin story. Okay. And then from there, it kind of spun off into three novels. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to see the live yeah. action treatment of this. Yeah, exactly. Like HBO. That is listening. just. Yeah, itching to be made. Yeah, I'm super. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Let's all make that happen. We should all make that happen <laughs> yeah, together. We'll, we'll start. We'll get a <laughs> start the petition. Yeah. Um, I always, I always enjoyed how science fiction from different points in time has changed. You know, um, you know, you start with you know really early stuff. You know, you, you know your Jules Verne, and even uh, once you get into like Ray Bradbury, and you know. Yeah as you move through the decades, their vision of the future and their vision of what the future, like, you know, will produce is, is so different. Um, and then you get into like RoboCop where, you know, everyone in the future is doing like future cocaine oh, and yeah. the, they're driving big giant future V12, V47, you know, and all the cars look like mutants and yeah. stuff. And they all have like weird yeah. Mohawks. And, and I love, I love how that changes, you know, from, you know, uh, from decade to decade. It's, it's interesting. And how much stuff actually comes true. You know, one of my, uh, favorite, uh, science fiction short stories was, the. I think it's called uh, There Will Come Softly Falling Rains by Ray Bradbury. And it's all about a smart house. And, you know, there's like basically there's there's a little Roomba going around that kind of cleans up things. And there's, you know, there's a, 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 a an Alexa kind of thing chiming off like, oh, you know, don't forget to pick up the kids from school today and this and that. Bridge telling you you're running short on milk. And yeah, stuff. exactly. Which is all stuff, you know that that is out there now and you know yeah. gaining in popularity but kind of the hinge of the story is that i just can't imagine like ray ray Barry, him thinking of it as like how cheery and nice it is i feel for him it would have been like cold and sterile oh yeah like, well you know what you know at the end of the story <laughs> is is that everyone's died in a nuclear apocalypse and the house is just going on without them yeah sounds like him yep <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i always loved how uh how different decades and times kind of view the future you know I, yeah. Steampunk is a, is an interesting byproduct of that too, you know. Like, what if 
what if we had robots but they ran on steam and brass and all that kind of stuff um so uh adam let's uh let's talk a little bit about you know your history how how did you first start writing is this something you've always done you said you wrote fan fiction as a, a, yeah. a child uh, did you always want to be a writer is that was that always the end game well i've always written um but it was one of those things where i kind of it was like a hobby and obviously i enjoyed doing it but i never really took it seriously um until well, 2005 2006 where I kind of realized it's like, actually, if I want to do this properly, I need to, I need to take it seriously. I got to, I have to sit down and I need to work. Um, which like, it sounds obvious, but it was this little kind of switch that flipped in my brain. Um, and I did. And I, I just thought, okay, I need to, can I even write a novel? I have no idea. So I sat down and I wrote one, which is thankfully locked away forever in a trunk. Um, Don't worry, guys. We're gonna we're gonna get a copy of it. (laughs) Oh my god! No, that's probably a very bad idea. Um, But there's this kind of thing. It's like, okay, I can write a story that is novel length. Right. So now, can I write a story that's novel length that is actually good? Right. So I I started again. So, but that's the kind of thing. It's like it's just persistence and just like having the bit between your teeth and, and, and going for it. Um, because a lot of people, I mean, I give people ask me for advice and stuff about writing. And it's like, you know, nobody needs to give you permission to do this. If you want to be a writer, you need to write something. Um, and that's kind of what I did. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm always forever grateful that, I'm in the position that I'm in because this is for a lot of people, this is, it's kind of dream thing. Um, you know, it's very hard to get into. It's hard to stay in. And the kind of projects I do, are, you know, writing a stranger things novel, like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Writing a star Wars story. That's, that's insane. Um, you know, with, with the elementary, I still am blown away because I, I've got a book cover with Lucy Liu on the front. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that is not something that ever crossed my mind could happen. Yeah. Um, living, so, yeah. So, living I've been doing dream. it for sort That's of, when you know you Yeah, well, it. yeah. You got a loose loose cover. <laughs> yeah. Loose loose. Um, but, yeah, so kind of just, it must have been 2006, I think. I just moved from New Zealand to the UK, where I live now. Um, and I guess the cha- everything kind of obviously changing in my life, that was like the moment where I was like, right let's actually do this let's see if i can do it for a start and then see what happens um and yeah i just kind of wrote and wrote and wrote and still am that's awesome yeah i think that's you know you bring up a good point it's it's one of those things i think everyone when they think of writing a novel is like how am i ever supposed to write that many pages and so the content kind of you know goes out the window for a little while you know you it's you do one of those uh, essays like you do in college when it has to be you know ten thousand words or whatever, and you're you're putting double space and all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. That was one yeah. of the more intimidating things I remember, like for having to write essays and stuff for school and college. Is just seeing a blank white screen. Just something about <laughs> that is just oh, so yeah. intimidating. It's like where do I start? Why do I even I, think I have something worth saying? Why do I even think someone would want to read this? You know, yeah. it's just no, but this so is the scary. thing. This is exactly this is exactly what happens and what still happens. You know, um, in my kind of office where I work at home, in front of me, 
above my monitor, I can see there's a bookshelf which has got, you know, a copy of all my books. And in the morning, I'll sit here, and there's the kind of the cursors flashing, and I think, I don't know how to write anything. I've, I've forgotten how to write. How does this even work? And like, I look up at the shelf, and I think, I don't remember writing any of those books. <laughs> like, yet somehow they exist, and so I must know something, maybe. Right. So then I just start. You start work, and it's. I think it's one of those things where if that feeling ever changed, uh, something's going wrong. You know. Yeah. Um, that kind of anxiety and i mean you ask any writer it's like writing is a pit of despair and anxiety and um <laughs> and it's hard work as well i mean you know novels are actually quite long and just the sheer number of hours required it's hard work yeah. um but i've somehow done it and i can do it again and that's kind of what i tell myself every morning otherwise otherwise i would be oh yeah i'd be sitting there yeah. thinking well, why am I writing this? No one's. Why is anyone going to read it? Yeah, I then, can't even write. What am I, what am I doing? Then, you, then you it just, wasn't just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you'd be watching Stranger Things for free again. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of getting paid to do it. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> oh man. Um. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Hot Hopper. I think everyone loves uh him as a character. Um, if you if you had to do uh, another character from the Stranger Things universe. Um, which one would you pick? Who do you think has the most interesting, you know, backstory or, you know, t- something that that we could uh, discuss, you know, as as a viewership, you know? That's interesting because, like, if you think about it, as you said before, because you know most of the cast are young. Are young, yeah. Yeah, the kind of the backstory thing is difficult. Um, but I really like Steve. Yeah. Steve, um, Steve just grew on awesome. everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like he's so good. Now, like he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily have much of a backstory, but just like a Steve he, adventure. Yeah, he's got like a side story. Yeah, um, with the bat. Yeah, the bat would have to be in there. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Because also, yeah, there's a gap. There's a gap between season one and two. Sure. And there's a gap between season two and three. So, like, what is Steve doing? Um, you know, he's, Steve's adventures and babysitting. He, yeah. <sighs> yeah, but babysitting was kind of monsters. <laughs> monsters, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. That was one of those characters where I thought for sure oh, I'm going to hate this guy. What a, like, what a yeah. jerk! And it, it just, you know, congrats to the actor. He did such a great job on that transition, like where it was someone that in the beginning we all hated because he, he seemed like a bully, but it's like no, he's just he was misunderstood. No, you he's know? just a teenage boy. Yeah, he's just, he's just a teenage boy. <laughs> but yeah. um, but that's just the great thing about the show is like so many of these characters um, change. You know, which oh, is the yeah. kind of essence of story. You know, Hopper changes. He's a, you know, he's a wreck at the beginning of season one, mm-hmm. uh, and now he's like one of the main heroic characters. And like Steve is a complete, um, you know, insert your favorite word here. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then he's one of the most popular characters because he changes. They all change, which is you know, as I said, the essence of story, um, which is you know, the, which is what makes it so good. I think. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I think you know. Um, the the series as a whole does a good job of you know uh, i think now the term subverting expectations has become somewhat of uh, of a joke when it comes to things like you know game of thrones or well, what have you obviously yeah. right <laughs> but but i think i think this series actually does a good job of you know staying away from maybe the classic tropes is a better way of putting it where steve yeah maybe he's he seems like the uh you know the brainless jock kind of guy who's just bullying people around but no he's actually you know 
he's just growing up and figuring out who he's going to be. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, even, uh, what's his name? Mike's mom. I forget her name now. Joyce. Joyce. Yeah. I'm sure you know everyone's <laughs> name by now. <laughs> Joyce. Yeah. You know, and she seems like, oh, she's just breaking down and, you know, she's losing her mind when, when, uh, uh, Mike's gone to the, the, um, the upside down and everything. But, you know, she actually becomes a strong character. She sticks to, you know, what she's yeah. saying and that ends to, you know, some of these character salvation. I think that's a cool, um, way to play with the, uh, viewers expectations where they make sense for the character, but they're maybe not what we're used to in a, in a horror movie yeah, or, think, or sci-fi. Yeah. Like one of the biggest mistakes, uh, and it happens in TV, um, quite a lot. is like characters, characters follow a plot rather than following, following their own characters. Right. Um, you know, and how many times, you know, do we get frustrated when characters are doing stupid things because not because they should do it, but because the story demands that they do certain things. Yeah. Um, then you have season eight okay. of game of Thrones. You, that was, you beat me I'm, too, not, but... I'm not mentioning any, any, <laughs> that was all but from yeah. us. That, that, that was that, all from that us. Was all from us. <laughs> yeah. We actually have a, our episode after this will be all about the finale of game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> it's, there's lots to discuss and unpack there. And, uh, but I think that that's one thing that Stranger Things does really well is kind of play with those expectations, but in a good way that's character driven well, rather than plot. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think it has it has this balance between like subverting expectations for the audience, but it also does follow some tropes and some storytelling conventions. But it's like mixing the two together so you actually get something which is really satisfying because, you know, if you go too far in one direction, the whole thing is a, like a cliche. If you go too far in the other direction, then you're just confusing the audience. And, you know, because the audience does have expectations and they do have certain things that they want to see. And you do have to kind of service that a little bit. But, you know, Stranger Things is great because, like, it does both, I think, right. and successfully. Yeah, I, I think it does an excellent job. I think a cool uh, side story, backstory thing to do would be the doctor from the lab. I forget, I forget his name. I'm her, sure her dad or yeah, dad. Papa, Papa. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. But also, you could tie in some of Eleven's story in there as well. It would be kind of a dual purpose um, side story, backstory, and that'd be kind of well, interesting to see his motivations. Yeah, so um, Gwen de Bond wrote a novel called Suspicious Minds, which is the first Stranger Things novel, um, oh, which is, is about... Is it exactly about, that? Yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> see, I knew it was a good idea. Yeah, see, it yeah, works. it's a good idea. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so good, someone thought of it. So did, <laughs> did uh, Netflix um, have to give you any information on the next season that maybe like the book needed to tie into, or it was just straight its own its own story no it was pretty much straight um i think because stranger things has now become such a big kind of phenomenon um they were they're like super locked down on on secrets which is fair enough yeah um, and i you know i know nothing about season three and they didn't tell me anything not that i really needed to know much because in the story you know you got that the hopper and 11 in the cabin yeah. Which, you know, that's set between seasons two and three. But it's kind of like a framework almost. Yeah. Um, and so long as I kept it true to the characters, um, I think it kind of it flows from one season to the other. Yeah. Without, without them to directly like, tie into anything. 
Yeah. Um, as long as like you, you know, know he doesn't chop his finger off or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, there's certain things you can't do. <laughs> don't kill anybody. Don't yeah, don't do things yeah. uh, that you shouldn't. Uh, I like I like that just last last page. And then Eleven chopped his hand off. I don't know why. I don't know why it happens. But... Yeah, it's like now you gotta do that Netflix. <laughs> now you gotta do job. that Netflix. <laughs> Change CG CGI all the hands. Exactly. Well, um I, I think it's I think it's an excellent book. I'm excited to finish the rest of it and learn more about Hopper and uh, Eleven and their kind of relationship together. I think it's it's so cool that that you know that Netflix has kind of embraced this you know fandom and and has authorized things like these to come out. I think it's uh, I think it's cool when uh, people who own certain properties and stuff realize that fans want more and allow that stuff to happen. That's, I think that's pretty yeah, awesome. Definitely, yeah. All right. Well, th- thank you so much for uh, taking the time to, uh, you know, do this show with us and um, tell tell us, you know, uh, where we can find the book. I mean, I, I assume your Amazons and Barnes and Nobles and all that yeah, kind of stuff. It's and- um, pretty much wherever books are sold, which is something everybody says, but I think it's actually true in this case. Yeah. Um, and it's out today, which is the 28th of May. So whenever people are listening, it's out. Um, and yeah, and you can find me at um, adamchristopher.co.uk and I'm on Twitter as ghostfinder. Um, and uh, yeah, I really hope, I really hope people like enjoy the book as much as I enjoyed writing it um, because I'm a, I'm a fan and I love the characters. And I love the story. And um, it's such been such a, kind of honor to be able to contribute something to the stranger things universe you know that's that's the dream yeah and i've no yeah congratulations i think think it's gonna do great yeah Yeah. i think it's gonna do great i you know i would love if they even did you know if if they uh if you did more of them so you know let us know uh if you ever you know what's your next project's coming out we'd love to have you back on it was it was uh thank you very much so fun having you and uh keep keep writing i mean I'm excited now to to read the uh, some of your other novels, um, and I, I really want to pick up that Star Wars one too. I think that'd be yeah. That'd also, be fun. congratulations! A New Zealand accent got voted uh, the number one sexiest. So congratulations yeah, you know, I, yeah, I saw that, and um, and someone did a trailer of like they compiled bits from films that have been redubbed with New Zealand accents, um, which is hilarious if you find it online. Yeah, it may it may cause you to question that uh, poll result. <laughs> I love it. I, I love you know. I think I think it's always funny when they come up with like, oh, the sexiest accent or the the uh, sexiest people. You know, like okay, well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't vote on that. I didn't. I didn't vote on that. But I mean, I guess I'll. I guess I'll read about it. It's so, yeah. totally clickbait. But uh, uh, thank you again, Adam, for taking the time. Um, you know, to talk to us and uh, promote the book. I think you know. I think everyone should read it. We'll put a copy and a link to Amazon on our webpage. Check it out, everybody. It's awesome. Stranger Things, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, And check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere podcasts are found, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the like. And to all the nerds out there, remember, you're not alone. You're with friends. This has been Nerds with Friends. Thank you, and have a great night.